Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by The Return. The Return of the greatest Bay Area podcast in the game. The Return of your favorite host of all time. The Return of Sports. It is here. And when sports are here, that means the Gold Cast is here. And we're back, baby. We are back. Raymond, how have you been? I've been great. I honestly thought that you were going to sponsor the show by uh, extraterrestrials. That's what I thought. <laughs> thought extraterrestrials were sponsoring the show, which will make, I know that doesn't make sense to anybody watching this and listening to this, but it will. It will uh, in a couple yeah. quick minutes. It <laughs> definitely will. We are back. Can I just say to the Goldcast Empire, we missed you guys. We did some top 11s. We kind of recorded them. We recorded them and then kind of released them at different at different weeks to kind of keep content going. So for you guys, we've probably only been gone about a week. But for us, we've been gone about a month. And either way, we're excited to be back. The Goldcast is back. Bigger, badder, better than ever. And sports is back, Raymond. Sports is back. So let's just get into it. Before we get into it, Raymond, why don't you let them know the people where can they find us? Where have we been? Where can they find the Goldcast? You can always find us on facebook.com slash the Goldcast. And you can find us, you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. Although I think that's going to be changing in the future. Um, that or Facebook, one of the two. Um, and more importantly, you should subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify. everywhere spotify spotify is the, the the newest platform that we're on but we are actually syndicated to all platforms that i'm not even aware of that exist you know in terms of podcast hosting we're on everywhere so if spotify is your main platform that also now hosts podcasts and is obviously going to have the biggest podcast in the world soon with joe rogan joining that front you know you can find us along with joe rogan we're right next to him if you look at joe rogan Goldcast is right the next show that follows Joe Rogan. If he's prime time, then we come late night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can also find us on the, on everything. So subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review, bump us up in the algorithm because we'd love to get more content out to you guys. And obviously we'd like to get more eyeballs and ears on our content just because we're we're making improvements every episode. We're tinkering with stuff. You know, Rudy's got new hardware and software now that is more akin to um, the kind of hardware and software that I run. So that will really help us going forward. And so, you know, expect things to improve, you know, gradually as we move along here. Don't think I didn't catch that humble brag you just threw out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So lots of stuff. We're going to open this episode with a subject so important that we've never brought it up once ever in the history of the Goldcast. And that is, of course, we're going to talk about extraterrestrials. Then we're going to talk about the Marlins and having 13 people go down with COVID. After that, we're going into the Giants with ending the their season opener. Everyone left us for dead and they came back and evened up the series. We're going to talk about that. And then, of course, the biggest, most important news of the day, Raheem Mostert's brand new contract. The greatest fanalist in the game. He is here. Your professor of fanalism. I'm in the building, too. Class is finally back in session. Get your notebooks out. Get your 49er letterman jacket out. And let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! Yes! We're back. Raymond, as promised... We've been teasing this for a while. I want to talk about the New York Times alien article. <laughs> yes. It was Have we so, been teasing it for a while? Uh, just on this episode. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> it was 
so fucking crazy. Pardon my French. That if you haven't read, there is a New York Times article that's kind of all about the fallout of the Pentagon releasing some videos of UFO footage. They admitted, admitted it was UFO footage. This came out in, I think, end of March, mid, early April. And we are so deep in so many other crazy things. That was like the 10th craziest story happening. The fact that the United States government admitted and showed footage of actual UFOs literally barely even moved the needle of America because we're knee deep in pandemic insanity. So yeah, pandemics, protests, you know, global, a global pandemic, pandemic, and the protests were actually worldwide. There was lots of other international uh, representation in support of what was happening over here. So for some reason, the government said, mm, now's a good time. Yeah, I think now's a good time. <laughs> now's we a should, good time. We, sh we should tell them now. And there, Raymond, this article was all about high-ranking officials that have been that are part of the current task force that's tasked with this finding, you know, you know, investigating and finding these uh, flying objects of unknown origin. I, I think mainly their main job is to make sure that they are not from Russia, China, any any country we deem as a threat, uh, sporting new flying technology, and that they they talked about very coyly. But they basically discussed and said a bunch of times over and over again that these that they not only are they tasked with this job, but they also they also have materials and ships in their possession. And I don't know. We just mentioned Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's got some wonderful podcasts where he interviews a lot of big players in the UFO conspiracy game world, including Commander Faber, who was the guy that was in charge of this actual flight that the Pentagon's footage is released on, the guy that was actually flying over it. It is crazy. Raymond, I want to ask you, do you believe that extraterrestrial intelligent life forms are flying around San Diego? And, and, and do you believe that, that this is uh, all legit? Let me start with your last question and work my way back. A, I believe it's all legit. B, or I should say A.1, I think the timing of the release was very intentional because it's like, you know, some people are like, I got time for this. I've got to go out into a protest and I've got to wear a mask. And yeah, 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 UFOs. Yeah, cool. I'm down with that. But let me just focus on this other stuff. So I think that was very intentionally done. But um, more importantly, I think um, something's in San Diego. Something's in San Diego, whether it's unidentified aircraft or whether it's, um, you know, aircraft that we have that, you know, we've we've figured out how to turn on. Who knows? I, I think now the possibilities are kind of now it's open to a lot of interpretation. There's no more like, well, like the, the theories are no longer refined. Now I think that, you know, we, we can allow a lot of room for speculation on this. And I know this isn't, this isn't obviously guys and gals, this isn't the bread and butter of what the show's about, but I thought it was pretty interesting. And I also think it's very interesting that nobody is talking about it. That's the other nobody. thing. Nobody. Uh, aside from, you know, Joe Rogan making mention, he mentions it a couple times in a couple other episodes, but not even, but, you know, but this was after, you know, he had some big guests on the show. Although, you know, like a week or two ago, he did have, uh, uh, 10 days ago, he had uh, two really big guests on the show. So that timing was was nice. But outside of that, there's no one really talking about it. Everyone's focused on politics. Everyone's focused on protests. Everyone's focused on riots. Everyone's focused on sports. What's going to happen with sports? That's a big hot topic now. And to me, it's like, if I had to choose, if like if I got thrown on a desert island and the guy or whoever said, hey, we're going to put you on this desert island, you can only research one topic of interest what would it be? It would undoubtedly, without a, a doubt in my mind, I'd say, I want to study the UFO stuff. Just give me only information that pertains to that, especially, you know, with the, the reveal that the government says, yeah, 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 it's all real. 
you know, now it's like, well, what degree of it? What degree of it? I mean, like we know YouTube, it's like there's tons of fake stuff on YouTube that you can spot, you know, if you pay attention, if you're paying attention and you understand how CGI has progressed, you can tell the difference very easily. But there's a bunch of other stuff that now it's like, whoa, now you go back to all of the people that have come before this announcement, you know, that talked about a lot of military personnel, uh, NASA personnel. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar's account, now that becomes, inc- there's- Everything he said was verified by the commander in San Diego. The same yeah, exact I, ship, same ship, I, same I, style yeah, ship. I was already pretty, you know, leaning towards believing the guy in the first place because I've always been into this stuff. You know, you and I have both have since we were kids. So when the government came out and conferred him, like, well, I, I think it's safe to say that he's probably not bullshitting at this point. You know, why would someone, you know, either that or he's like one of the world's greatest liars. How, how do you keep telling the same story over and over and over again for 30 years? Sooner or later, you're going to miss details or forget details. I can't remember stuff that happened last week, let alone 30 plus years ago. But he stays pretty consistent, man. He's very consistent, you know, and and yeah. And then you could we could we could have a whole episode talking about all this stuff. But I just I thought it was, I, you know, I appreciate you bringing it up because it's obviously very cool. It's very interesting. And I think, hey, for those of you out there that are also into this stuff, you know, just be aware that it was confirmed. You know, this is confirmed by the U.S. government. And, you know, which means this is, you know, this is the beginning step steps of, you know, letting the public in on what else is going on in our solar system as far as you know other intelligent life and i think that's pretty cool i'll say this i was basically of the this is where i was at i had come to the conclusion about ufos i was basically like you know what man ufos i do believe in intelligent life forms i do believe that you know what maybe 10 times in like the hundred and however many years we humans have been here, maybe 10 times in our entire history have aliens come to check us out. Maybe. 10 times. That's all. That's what I'll give you. But then after this, I'm all back in. I still don't believe a lot of people. Like, I, I, I'm only going to, I believe the radars. I believe the government when they say it. I believe military officials. I believe Bob Lazar, who's an astrophysicist. He's a genius anyways. Like that guy's sm- super smart. These are the people that I believe. These are the people that I'm willing to yeah. believe. <laughs> I don't believe the show sightings or any of the episodes perhaps that we saw back in like Unsolved Mysteries or even the new Unsolved Mysteries, which had one UFO case in that one. And hey, that was pretty good though. I didn't, I didn't watch it because I was, I was not interested in having people you know, recollect something that happened in the 1960s. I'm like, you know what? We live in an era now where everyone has a goddamn camera. Give me something modern. <laughs> I like how still to this day, they can't get a clear picture. But then again, if I took pictures of airplanes, I don't think they'd be very clear. Like we don't have cameras that are that strong. But having said that, this is legit. I mean, the government straight up said that they have, they have ships. Bob Lazar worked on those. Anyways, we could go down a rabbit hole. But uh, you know what? I'll put a link in the description uh, so you guys can check out that New York Times article because it is bananas uh, and it's it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Anyways, Ray, let's get let's get to sports. Let's move to what we're here for. This is what the people came. And you know what? As a Bay Area sports, uh, a popular Bay Area sports podcast, we're going to start with the most obvious thing, the Miami Marlins. Where else would we start? Remember, Miami Marlins came down with 14 or third. Well, it was reported 14. Then they're saying 13 and they're saying 11 of them players, two staff come down with COVID. Their basically season has been put on hiatus as they figure is they got to go through a couple tests. Everyone has to go into quarantine and they have to have two negative tests before even coming back. Raymond, what, how does this make you feel? Where's your confidence in the MLB? Where's your confidence in the season? Because like when I saw this, tying it back to the 49ers, which is what we do best, is this opening the door for the possibility that this could happen to the 49ers? That we could literally see 15, the whole the whole offensive line, which our dad, unofficial fourth member of the Gold Cast, Rudy Solis Jr., likes to say all the time. He goes, What, he goes, what happens if if five linemen get it? What are we gonna do? What do you how do you feel, Raymond? How nervous on a scale of one to ten, how nervous does this make you? It might not make you nervous at all. And going forward. 
just what are your overall thoughts about the MLB season? Could the season get canceled? I mean, what 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 are we what's in play right now for you? Well, I'm not nervous. You know, I I'd be more concerned if this was the NFL because I enjoy the NFL more than Major League Baseball, but I do like baseball. But first of all, it's weird that that many people got it and I mean in such a short span, but then again, I mean, it, it's not really that weird because this virus, one of the things about this virus is it spreads very quickly and very easily, you know, which is why we've been asked to take certain precautions. Um, although I think more importantly, people should be focused on their immune system, but I digress. I think that uh, if I think that more importantly, the likelihood of this happening to another team, including our team or teams in other sports, I think the probability is high. You know, there's, there's, 30 plus teams, you know, or 30 teams, baseball's 30 teams. Right. Um, and so I think the likelihood that this happens to another team is pretty damn high. And I think it's, and, and in fact, I would go so far as to say it's going to happen to another team. It's just a matter of time. And because the rosters here are small, I think that, uh, you know, you've, I, I don't remember if the, if MLB made the same, are taking the same liberties with backup players like the NFL is doing with practice squads and being able to elevate those players. They are, they have a, they have like a 25 man, like taxi squad that like, it, that's right. In of, addition to the, and the, and the, and the MLB roster has also increased too. Yeah. Uh, it's a 30, right. It's gone up from 25 to 30. So, you know, there, there are those liberties. So they have that in place, but at the same time, you still want to see starters. You, you're seeing, you know, a ball practice people going up into the majors, which I mean, it's great for them. If you were in that position, I think it's pretty darn cool. I mean, it's, it's always, it's always kind of osmos, unless you're a really good prospect, you know, it's, you're kind of just playing by luck that someone you're, you know, someone else's misfortune is, is your ticket into the majors. That's how you normally works. Unless you're, unless, like I said, unless you're a top prospect, that's being, that's expected to do great things or, you know, or in the case of football, you're, you know, you're undrafted or, you know, someone does get all of the second and third stringers get depleted in the roster and they do have to dip into the practice squad to get people in there because they need bodies or they sign someone who didn't have a job that was, that was doing nothing. And then they, they got a player. So I think that, you know, it's going to happen again, whether this means that they canceled the sport. I mean, they had an emergency meeting. Here's the thing. The media is always going to exaggerate and blow things up more proportionately than they truly are. They've done it with the pandemic. They've done it with the protests. They did it with the riots. They did it with, they did They haven't done it with UFOs. Surprisingly. Unfortunately. <laughs> God, they blow up everything else except for that. So I think, um, I think that, uh, you know, the meeting was going to happen, you know, the, the next team that has this, you know, they're going to have another meeting, the teams, I'm sure the giants and the A's and not Yankees, Boston, all those guys are having meetings too. They're having internal meetings that are following the big MLB meetings saying like, Hey, if this does happen, you know, what should we do? I mean, they've already, they've already got tons of protocols and stuff in place anyway. It's not like they, it's not like they're not prepared for this. They are. They just, I just don't think that they were expecting for this to happen during opening weekend. So quickly. Week. So quickly. You know? So many. I mean, like 11 players. That's, right. That is entire offense for the 40, for, for, for the NFL. That's the entire yeah. offense. That's the entire offense. Could you imagine if 11 defensive players got it? I didn't want to and, think about it. And football, there's way more contact. There's like no contact in baseball. There's yeah. zero contact. In fact, the the Buster and the guys Posey, are wearing the masks in the bullpen. Did you see that? They're all wearing their masks in the bullpen. Right, right. Yes, exactly. So in the dugout, in addition to the dugout too. So uh, even though they're taking all these precautions, people are getting stuck. So you know, all it takes is one person apparently. You know, assuming that the tests are accurate. I mean, the tests are more accurate now than they were obviously back in March and April. So and I, I hate to admit it, the MLB and the NBA and the NFL, they're going to have the best versions of these tests uh, th that science has, you know? They will. A lot better than the general public, that's for sure. So, you know, there's also that. So, you know, we, we know that it's something that can 
that we can rely on more so than, than, than tests outside of that. So I think, you know, if you're a baseball fan, just, you know, be, have the expectation that this is going to happen to another team and it could be your team. And if it happens, if, 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 if that happens more rapidly, meaning like two or three teams go down, you know, 11 guys go down within a weekend or a week, then I think they, they will consider shutting it down because there's no dodging it, which, but then, and that raised, that raises concerns to me. You know, I don't care about basketball because basketball is almost done and whoever wins, it's going to get an asterisk next to their name in my book. And they're in that, they're honestly, they're in that bubble. And that's, that's the, they're the only, the, the only sport just given how far they were in the season that can logistically do that. You can't do this bubble for the MLB and you can't do the bubble for the NFL. It does. There's too many play. There's too many teams, too many players on the NFL and, and too much. There's too much season. You can't right. put, if, can't, if it was the playoffs, that would be different. Sure. You sure. And they might even do by. that. I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL nope. goes into a bubble right. for the, the NFL, final. The NFL could, could divide the bubble into like between two stadiums or something like that. Mm-hmm. I could see them doing that for the postseason, which nope. might be smart to protect. And them. since no one's in the stands, you just put the, put the other teams and players and coaching staff of them in the stands or something like that. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how it would work, but either way. Or is it a cardboard cutout of me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, at Amy G for the giant, the the field reporter for the Giants, she was she, there was a cardboard car, cardboard cutout of her, and Bruce Lee was next to her. <laughs> Bruce Lee, uh, did you see yeah. uh, um, George Kittle? George Kittle was like, and then E forty was in the middle, and then next to him is Jimmy G. And it's like, was it really? Yeah, it was all three. It, was, <laughs> it went Kittle, E forty, Jimmy G. That's and, so funny. And Jimmy G and George Kittle are wearing like their football. It's like it was clearly pictures of them like on the field after right, games or right. something. It was great. But Kittle's literally like this. He's like, of he's course, like Kittle's cheering. in a Kittle pose. I mean, so let me let me uh, flip that back to you. I mean, what do you think? First of all, my heart goes out to the eleven Marlins players who got COVID. Um, again, I've said this a million times. It's not really about you getting it it's about who you could spread it to and so obviously with 11 players get it that's 11 families that's 11 11 potential wives 11 potential groups of children 11 grandmothers grandfathers that are all possibly susceptible to right. being exposed to the virus so well i ho- doubt i doubt any of those families are traveling with the teams that's true they well they weren't home right but but imagine right. if that happened at home imagine if they were home then they would be home right. you know what about what about the Phillies? They didn't, they didn't mention anything about symptoms or how these guys are feeling, at least none of the articles that I read. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, these guys are – baseball is a little bit different. I, you know, I don't think they're in quite the same shape. Not all of them are in the same shape as in basketball and football players. But for the most part, these guys are slim and in shape, and you know, they're, they're good athletes to, do, to perform at a high level within their given sport, to do the things within their sport, you know, it's not not as transferable as the other two sports are yeah so my heart goes out definitely to the players first and the families of the players i hope that none of the phillies got it um and i i hope that they contain this and we move past it pretty quickly so i do want to say that first it makes me very worried makes me very worried how in a sport with so little contact we were able to get 11 players test positive for in a in a four day span. Like, I mean, we, the season opened on Thursday and then it, then it, and boom, here we are. And it's there, there, it it was definitely nerve wracking. I definitely made me nervous. It made me nervous about the NFL for sure. Now there's a lot of type protocols that they're, that they're working on the NFL just to kind of bring it over to the NFL. Like, you know, people, you know, this is a subject that is probably of more interest to a lot of our listeners. You know, they, they, they definitely, here's a couple of the protocols, right? So the NFL has daily testing. That's the first one, right? Daily testing. They want them, they want the players to now wear, and the players want this. They have like a little thing, like a, a like a little like like GPS. I'm not sure what it's called, but like it'll be some type of contraption that they wear on themselves. And it will everyone that they everyone else is wearing it so that when they come in contact with them, it records that. So that let's say I'm I am an NFL player, I'm inside the 49er. The, the front office, I'm going through, I go to practice and I come back and I leave, right? Every player that I came in contact with, that little machine tells me 
And then so that if I was tested positive for COVID, we could immediately go to the seven or 10 other guys I came in contact with and we could test all them and check all them out and make sure that they're okay. I don't know if those protocols are in, in there with baseball, but to yes and you and to, to touch on the same point you said, we're talking about a sport that everybody even said was the most built to be COVID proof because it's everybody is, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're spaced out, you know, you're, you know, they're, they're wearing the masks in the dugout, but it, I don't know. I don't know how they got this. Maybe this was on the bus. Maybe no one was wearing it on the bus. I, I don't understand how they got this, but it makes me very nervous. Right. Cause it's not like they got it. You know, they obviously had it beforehand you know, for it to travel to, possible. to reach as many, in my opinion, I'm theorizing here, but in my opinion for that, this is not something that happened during the game. This is something they already had it. Perhaps they were, you know, remember these are athletes, so they're in really good shape. They have really good lungs. The, these guys don't get sick a lot. You know, these guys don't miss games. They play 162. So, you know, the, the, the likelihood that they're walking that they got COVID on the way to this game and didn't show any signs until the testing was done, which is part of their protocol is, is really high. It's really high that, the, that these guys, NBA players, NFL players, a lot of these people are going to be asymptomatic, even though we have, even though we know that there are reports out there of some players who have gotten it that, you know, were sick and stuffy nose and, you know, chills and fever and all that kind of stuff. But there's going to be a bunch of more often than not, there's going to be guys that are not going to show any signs of anything because they're just their bodies and their immune systems are really, really good. So they're going to be they're going to pass it on to someone before they even show a hint of, of any kind of symptom. And I think that's what happened here because when they, they had it, so they took the, I don't know when, I don't know how much time transpired between the, the first time they were tested before the game and when they were tested after the game, I'd be curious to know that that would be an interesting timeline to know like, all right, well, they actually took a test on this day and this day. So it's like, wow, they did get it during the game or something like that or before the game. I, I'm kind of theorizing that they got it en route to the game and didn't develop anything, you know, nothing to show up on, the test results until their next test. Yeah. I don't think they're doing daily tests. Are they like the NFL? I don't think they are, but I, but there was an emergency MLB meeting today. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if daily tests are then put in place. I think this is probably going to pretty much guarantee it. The main right. thing I don't want to see, and I don't want to see this in any of the sports I love. I'm very excited that baseball's back. I'm very, very excited. Uh, as you guys know, I live down here in Los Angeles. I have my MLB ticket. I am ready to go, man. Like I am pumped. I, I I know that the Giants are completely at the bottom of the barrel and that everyone expects us to be horrific. I'm okay with that. I'm just excited that baseball's back. And if you come out around. of the weekend five at five hundred though. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about that in like two seconds. Excited that the NFL's coming back, excited that they've come to an agreement that makes sense. I want the 49ers back. I want this revenge season. We have a Lombardi trophy to win. So I want all these things to happen. So when I see this thing that 11 players get it in one weekend, I, I, it just, it, it freaks me out. You know, I'm even, I'm excited for NBA. I'm, I'm bummed that the Warriors aren't anywhere in the picture at all, but I'm actually happy that they're not dealing with any of this stuff. I don't really want them in that bubble. And uh, I really look forward to rooting against LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers during the entire run in the postseason. It's one of my favorite things to do. So uh, yeah, to I, me, to me, that's why I guess that's why I'm not too concerned because it's like the NBA, it's like, you're already you're you'll be fine you're in a bubble you know to me the season kind of doesn't count you know i don't really i think you i think again in my book and my record book in my brain there's an asterisk next who next to whoever wins the championship in the nba and with mlb that's an even bigger asterisk in fact i would put three asterisks because the season's not whole and the the the, the winner of the world series a lot of that is you know, there's a lot of, it takes a really, it, it takes a really, it's really, really difficult to win a world series when you have to play 162 games plus October. So the fact that they're playing like a fraction of that, to me, that opens the possibility of any team, any team <laughs> can win it now. Yeah. Because now you're not dependent on being a shitty team, having a, you know, you can have two or three shitty months in baseball and still make the playoffs. That margin for error is now really, really is much smaller now. So if you have, if you, if you hit a hot streak, which any team is capable of doing, even the shitty teams have hot streaks during a shitty season, 
you know, and that could happen. I just think that the possibility of them making the playoffs is, is much greater than if they were playing 162 games, even the giants, even though the fact that I think they're, they are in a, they're in a heavy rebuilding phase. that's only going to get more extensive in the coming years. Even they have a chance of doing it, you know, and they came out 500 this week as a result, you know, in, in this first week. So they're not, they're already decent. <laughs> they're already where they need to be. <laughs> so Raymond, let's move right into that. And uh, we will monitor this closely. We will be discussing. I'm sure we will be discussing this more as the season progresses. We're going to hear about it again. We sure are. So let's move on, though. The Giants. Okay, so first of all, I was super excited. Let me let's 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 rewind this back. Let me let me, you know, let's rewind this back. I was super excited. Season opener. The only two games on Thursday was Washington and New York followed by San Francisco and Los Angeles, baby. You've got, you've got the Yanks and the Nats. You've got the, the World Series champs against, you know, the premier, the premier team in the MLB, the Yankees. That all tracks, right? I think that I, I would have preferred to see the Red Sox and the Yanks play, but I get it. You have to have the Nationals on there because they won the championship, and that's just respect, right? Like that, the, 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 the champs have to that. play. Yeah, they've earned that. They've earned that right. The champs play on opening day. That makes sense. I don't have any problems uh, problem with that. But what's the second game? You got to go with the second greatest rivalry in all of American sports. You got to go Giants Dodgers, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let's bring it out. Now, four game series, no less. Four game series. Let's go all day. Uh, but the Giants got part of my French got their fucking asses kicked for two straight games. They were outscored, I believe it was 17 to 2. Yep. 17 to 2. Yep. 17 to 2. It was brutal. So brutal that by the time Sunday came around, I wasn't even excited. I was like, man, this is. I had every Dodger fan texting me, your infield is garbage. Your defense is garbage. Your pitchers are garbage. Your batters are garbage. Your whole team, who are these guys? Garbage, 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 garbage. And then lo and behold, we squeak out a win on Sunday. Then lo and behold, we squeak out a real tight nail biter on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. I'm, I'm sorry. You said no, Sunday twice, but yeah, I, I know what you meant. Saturday, yeah, Saturday we, Sunday. We had a one run win on Saturday and we had another tight game on Sunday. So of course the two games that we lose, we get our ass beat, but then the games that we win, they're nail biters. Classic Dodger, uh, Giants, right? Classic Giants. I... I'm going to tell you this, and it, you should go to my Twitter. If you haven't been on there, go on, to, go on to my Twitter. I am Rudy Third. You need to check it out. I posted a GIF of, of me. It's Hunter, it's Hunter Pence hitting the ball in a GIF, and I just superimposed my face on him. I saw that. You're going to have to show me how you did that. I will show you how I did that. And uh, I posted on Twitter. I sent that to every Dodger fan, and I said, you know what? Your team fucking sucks. That's what I said. I said, I said, your team sucks. I said, you know, we're supposed to suck. What's your excuse? What's your excuse for the for the garbage I've seen out of these guys for the last two, two games? You guys are supposed to be the best team in the league. And you know what? You might end up being the best team in the league. But what a disappointing start for you. And that was the best part, Ray. That was the best part. All right, I want to hear your thoughts uh, on what ended up, in my opinion, being a great season opener. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. I mean, uh, Thursday and Friday were just irritating games that I didn't spend too much time. Once the games got out of hand, they just kind of tuned out. And that's just kind of how I treat baseball. Sometimes in football, if it's a blowout, I'll tune out too, especially when I know like the game can't, you know, I don't need to see the end of this dismal defeat. You know, I already know what's going to happen when the, the clock reads zero. You know, and that's basketball and football. I treat the same way. So sometimes, I mean, I, so I admit I can get salty with sports and base since baseball is already a, a long drawn out game longer than the other two sports, you know, there, my patience for in a losing effort is much lower, unless I know it's a close game. Like if, even if it's like four to one or three to one, you know, like, Oh, these are safe situations. So I, the chances of them coming back in a single inning is, is, is possible. So I, I do want to check that out. So I will watch in those instances, but once it gets to like, you know, like a low scoring football game, then I'm tuned out. So Thursday and Friday were kind of a bummer. 
And Saturday, I almost thought that they were going to blow that too. I'm like, oh God, here we go. They're going to blow this one. But uh, they eked it out, which was good. And, you know, and then Sunday they played even a little bit better. So we, we held them to five runs in the latter two games while scoring eight. And then, you know, we yielded 17 in the first two games. So God, I mean, you just talk about bad pitching all around in addition to some unearned runs as well, just from bad fielding uncharacteristically bad too, because, you know, there's some surefire hands there that, that don't miss those plays more often than not, you know, these guys have nine, you know, nine between 95 and, and 99% fielding percentage in baseball. So, you know, the, the margin for error, you know, doesn't happen very often, or, or I should say the, um, the the opportunity for error is is not very often and and, and the other thing too is remember this they're used to starting in april here we are in late july starting so there is a a rhythm thing that's you know you're already all-star for both break teams. yeah clearly for all, both teams you're past the all-star break at this point you're halfway done with the season and here you are starting the season in late july so that's that affects so weird that affects all the teams you know, in addition to the Giants, too. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that's something to take into consideration for any team that experienced any kind of weird, you know, fielding errors, any of that kind of stuff, you know, because they they were totally taken out of rhythm uh, from, from this whole, everyone has from this COVID thing. So that was something else. But I'm glad that they eked out two wins, ended the season, you know, season ended today, they'd be 500. I'd be okay with that. That's progress towards becoming better in the future. So, but, uh, that's, that's kind of, that was kind of it for me. Yeah. It's definitely going to be an interesting season. It's a short season. Uh, I really want to see what Kapler is able to do with this band of misfit toys and we'll see great, great season opener though. You know, giants, thank you. We appreciated that now, Raymond, let's move on to the big one. The number one, the most important story in the Bay today raheem mostert gets his contract it is official he has gotten it can you go over the details with the Goldcast empire go over the details of what this contract basically entails what did he receive well after the agent did his little tactic to you know which it makes some, sense puts, this is what they do that's the put game some pressure to put pressure on the 49ers to have a contract that was more akin to the top paid running backs on this team, one who hasn't played a single snap in Jarek McKinnon, who still makes the most out of all these people because he was acquired via free agency and was given a big contract because he was expected to perform and perform well. Unfortunately, that hasn't worked out at all. Um, the same year that we signed uh, Kyle Juszczyk, who's been absolutely the best possible uh, outcome that we've gotten out of that contract, even though everyone criticized us for overpaying him. But clearly that has yielded nothing but Pro Bowls uh, for that kind of money. So, you know, in your face, sometimes th that shit, you know, th you have, a, you have a perfect juxtaposition of how, how it can work on one end and how it doesn't work on the other end. So with that said though, I think that, uh, Mostert's now happy. His agent said, just finalize a new deal for Raheem Mostert with the San Francisco 49ers. Happy. We got things worked out and looking forward to having him having another great season there. Thanks to the organization for taking care of him. So after, you know, kind of playing the little bit of the strong hardball, hardball negotiator on Twitter goes back and, you know, thanks the team for doing Smooths what they did. it over. Right. So he's due 2.575 million in base salary and he gets a 300 grand bonus in 2020 and can earn up to an additional 2.75 million in bonuses and incentives according to the source that talked to Adam Schefter. I mean, that's a possibility and, of over $5 million for the year. Right. And Moster is year. also due $2.875 million in 2021 as part of the three-year contract that he signed last year. That is separate from the restructuring that he recently got. And based on the average annual value, Moster was the 49ers' fourth highest paid running back behind Jarek McKinnon, who made seven and a half, who's making $7.5 million to not do anything because he's been injured. Not his fault, although disappointing from a fan perspective because all that money hasn't been, it's been wasted. Kyle Juszczyk, who's making $5.25 million, worth every penny, as we mentioned. He's been Pro Bowler. He came as a Pro Bowler from Baltimore 
and has been a pro bowler since then. And then Tevin Coleman, who made 4.25 million, who had some really big games, wasn't as consistent as I thought he would be. But at the same time, they're doing a running back committee, which is not what Tevin Coleman, Tevin Coleman's used to a two back committee in when the, what he did with in Atlanta with Antonio or uh, um, Freeman. But uh, now he's doing that with four backs in this system. So that, that's a different rhythm. It's a different rhythm. It's a different everything. So, and for those of you who forgot what Mostert did last season, he led the 49ers with 772 rushing yards and he had um, 10 touchdowns, eight on the ground, two in the air. So highly productive. That's, that's with a committee. So that's very impressive. I and mean, we get why he wanted more money because he, he was a baller, totally a big baller. And, you know, uh, Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida, they were not the same type of finisher that Raheem Mostert was last year. How many games did Raheem Mostert break out and score? He did it against Green Bay a couple of times. He did it against Minnesota in the playoffs. He did it in the NFC Championship game. Or I'm sorry, that was Green Bay a couple of times. He did it, he did it uh, against New Orleans. He did it against Baltimore. So he did it in numerous games. And from week, from week 12 to the end of the season, Raheem Mostert was the most productive back in the NFL in terms of scoring. In terms of yardage, he was number two because he was – first place was Derrick Henry, who had like uh, 11, over 1,100 yeah. yards rushing between week 12 and the end of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had 1,154. Yeah, Yes, exactly. And so that's what um, Raheem Mostert was up against. Otherwise, he would have been the number one back if if Tennessee wasn't giving Derrick Henry the ball almost every single goddamn play, which obviously worked out really well for them, making it all the way to the AFC Championship. But um, but that's, you know, that's where he stood. And I, I think, you know, I think I think it's probably fair to say that he deserved a restructuring. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if he should have gone through all of that to do it because he signed the deal before his production, you know, and I get it. It's like, and he, he got the deal, his agent, you know, kudos to his agent doing his job saying, Hey, you want more money? You should, you should get more money because you, you produced and that should be reflected in your salary, which is very true. Although not every player has the opportunity to make that argument and, and to have that advocacy for you because it's different when you're a rookie versus uh, a, a season back that most has been in the league for a long time. He's played for a lot of teams. He's just never been this productive. Uh, you know, part of it is because he's in a really good system where he's able to thrive versus where he's been at before. But you know, that's neither here nor there. The point is he got his money. And if he produces like he did last season, he's going to get his money, his money and some. Overall, great contract. I'm happy we got that done. Happy we got that out of the way. Now, here's the final question, Ray. Just to kind of go on a, on a whole different tangent on this. Where's Kittle's contract? I was just about to bring that up. I was like, now you've got to sign Kittle. You've got to figure this out because the problem do you think is... It's the, do you think it's the problem is the... Uh, I hate to cut you off there, but is it the possibility that COVID is going to lower the cap? Is this what they're waiting for? I think that's part of it. Because, you know, you've got you've to put language, you know, how many contracts, I wonder, I wonder how many contracts, you know, were given an additional like addendum that covered COVID. Because in my job, we got, we got addendums that covered COVID that we have to include um, with all of our contracts now. So that's you know the real estate business which means that you can you can obviously put with an extremely high degree of confidence that the nfl has also given these addendums to their players in those contracts same with the mlb same with the nba anything that involves contracts now has a clause covering covid so anything that involves you know physical interaction especially sports so i'm wondering you know what degree that has on the contract but i think a lot of it to be i think a big part of it is has to do with money even though somebody some people have speculated that covid's impact on the season is a big component into delaying the talks i think a lot of this is coming down to money we know that george kittle wants wide receiver money we've talked about this before it's been talked about in great length 
throughout this offseason. George Kittle wants wide receiver money because he believes that is the production that he's putting out there. And obviously, he's got a strong case, you know, maybe not in the scoring department, but certainly in the receiving department. He's the leading receiver on this team. But at the same time, he does way more in the tight end department that he does in the receiving department, not to take away from what he's done in the receiving game because he's obviously done great and Debo Samuel is clipping at his heels and is clearly going to be the number one receiver even though he's going to miss anywhere from two to four games with that broken foot before he sees any action and we don't know what receivers if at all will step up in this coming season too but at the same time he does way more in the tight end role than he does at the wide receiver position it's not like a Travis Kelsey who is more receiver than he is tight end not to say suggest that he's not a good tight end. Travis Kelsey's one of the best. And the same goes for some of those other tight ends too. But George Kittle is asked to do a lot more in the running game because Kyle Shanahan has a very balanced offense. And our offense currently, at least this past season, and arguably coming up in this next season, tends to lean a little bit towards the running game. Even though the distribution of pass and run is pretty darn close to even. It's like it's it's 50-50 most of the time, but then it tends to teeter in 60-40 running game. When the running game's really clicking, which it, it, it did a lot last season, you know, that's when it te- the scale tends to tip towards a 60-40 distribution. So I think that that's one of the reasons, too, why they're, like, hesitating. And I would, I would total, I totally get it, too. That's a different position. It's a different salary. It's a different market altogether. So I think he's somewhere in the range. He's between 15 and 17 million per year. Which, it's, which still would make him the highest paid tight end, you know, because there's other tight ends right now that, are, that, that the highest paid tight end makes like 10 million. So even 15 is a significant margin between the next highest paid tight end, who's not even as great as George Kittle. I think it's Austin Hooper. Is the next Austin Hooper is really the highest paid? God, you might be right, huh? Because Atlanta let him go. They, I, don't, I think they couldn't keep him, if, if I'm correct. I know the other, uh, the other tight end for San Diego's next in line on that list. I'm looking this up. Let's do it. We're going to fact check on which the goal. Ne- which we hate to do. Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry. 10.6 per season. Right. Okay. So Hunter Henry is number one and Austin Hooper should be number two. Yeah, he probably is. And Hunter Henry doesn't even have half the production as Kittle. Austin Hooper is next at 10.5. Travis right. Kelsey at 9.4. Kyle <laughs> Rudolph at nine. And then the Buccaneers also at nine. And Kyle uh, Rudolph is the least productive of those four. And he's the least productive by a huge margin, a huge margin. And uh, conversely, uh, Travis Kelsey is more productive than those three, than those three combined. Arguably. No, definitively. (laughs) Definitively. And we know that George Kittle obviously broke the record last year. He had more yardage than Travis Kelsey, and he, but he didn't have as many scores. Travis Kelsey finds his way into the end zone. But again, Kyle Shanahan likes to mix it up in the end zone. Uh, we know that, uh, uh, what's his name, Dante Pettis found his way into the end zone at least five times last year. We know that Kendrick Bourne found his way into the end zone like five times this season, also several times last year. We know that Raheem Mostert, found his way into the end zone 10 times because he broke out. He broke a lot of runs from, from the stellar running game. So, you know, it, it's a mixed bag. You know, it's not, doesn't mean that Kittle's not capable of finding the end zone. It's just that other Kyle Shanahan spreads the ball around so well that the, the touchdown distribution is, is spread out. Well, and remember he just, he basically only had Kittle two seasons ago. That was it. That's all we had. Right. You know, he was the only, uh, you know, offensive we're a weapon we have, but I mean, his numbers, his numbers from about week eight on were fantastic. They uh, are. You know, so I would, I would like to see the touchdown. I know George Kittle feels the same way. He had five the previous season and also five this past season. So he's, he's been consistent in that regard, but I'd love to me, Kittle's Kittle seems like the type of player that should be, you know, in the Vernon Davis Kelsey range of like 10, you know, that, that's, I agree. That's what I, that's what he looks like. That's the type of player he is. That's how he, performs on the field and that's what his scoring output should most likely be at and i think yeah. it will get there you know if not this year then definitely next season it'll take some time but i am confident he's going to get there so goldcast nation we are back 
what say you, how do you feel about the Marlins dropping 11? Does this spell doom for the rest of the season for the MLB? Uh, were you excited with the Giants season opener? Do you feel there's potential there? Can we actually not be at the bottom of the barrel? It's way too early to tell, but what are your thoughts? And then last but not least, how excited are you about Raheem Mostert's contract? Let us know down in the comments. Go to youtube.com slash the gold cast because we're finally back up on youtube.com slash the gold cast. Very right. excited. Oh, and how about how about this bonus? Uh, this bonus one, Jamal Adams, the two-time Pro Bowl safety from the Jets going to the hated rival Seattle Seahawks. How do you feel about them apples? because the Seahawks gave up a King's ransom just to get him. And by the way, remember those and remember those reports that the Niners were looking into him because I would know we were all talking about it during that week. Imagine how amazing it would be to have a Pro Bowl caliber safety like Jamal Adams on the team next to a Tart or a Ward. I, I, I think we would have had to give up like Richard Sherman. I think Tart would have probably had to be the guy to go out because we just signed Jimmy Ward to a $28.5 million extension. So he's obviously not going anywhere. I think you would have kept him and, and put him next to Jamal Adams. I think that's how it would have worked out. But again, John Lynch came out and said, we never called the Jets. So I don't know where that report's coming out to because there were reports saying that, you know, we know that Jamal Adams named the Niners as one of his destination points in that small list of teams that he wanted to go to. But we also heard reports that the Niners had inquired about Jamal Adams and were, in, were one of the teams looking into the Jamal Adams sweepstakes. But again, John Lynch shot that down. John Lynch doesn't shoot stuff down that isn't true he's a very he's been very upfront about that since the very beginning so um where that rumor came from who knows it doesn't matter at this point we just know that the initial report was false according to john lynch he said they never talked about it they never talked to the jets about it so whether the jets talked to us about it i don't i don't know who knows but anyways the, the main point was what do you think about the seattle seahawks giving up their future to be pretty good now <clears throat> Absolutely. What do you think? Let us know in the comments. We are back. We missed you guys. Come say hi. Message us. Talk to us. Reach out to us. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at I am Rudy third. I am Rudy three RD. Raymond, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. I have been spending more time on Twitter lately. I'm not sure why, because I think it's a very toxic platform. But I do like uh, sports, video games, and business. So um, I do get some of that uh, between all of the, the craziness on Twitter. And you can also find me on Instagram at RaySolis1. That's R-A-Y-S-O-L-I-S and the number one. And so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III. And with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time, same gold cast channel. This is, is the gold cast.